The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to this program. Hey, thanks for being patient with me last night. We had... Uh you know, a good show scheduled, but I was feeling a little bit under the weather, and I thought I was coming down with what I would consider to be a fall cold, and I guess it was a touch of one. Um, the night before, I was telling you that my allergies were really bothering me, but they just got worse and didn't go away, but then I woke up today after uh, slugging down some Alka-Seltzer cold medicine last night, helping me sleep, helping me sleep late, in fact, and I woke up today, and I actually felt, uh, I don't feel 100%, but I feel a lot better, so hopefully I've that out of my system and we'll continue as normal here we'll pretend nothing happened tonight our guest dr linda backman is a psychologist a researcher an author and a hypnotic regression therapist we'll be talking about soul level issues if all works well soul evolution the purpose of soul regression understanding the pre-birth decisions where souls come from interplanetary souls the difference between life soul regression, and between lives, soul regression. How information gained during a a regression session helps a client understand their current life. So a lot of great stuff to talk about. The soul, soul level issues, soul evolution, and much, much more. That is tonight's program on Beyond Reality. Hey gang, JV here. You know that great nutrition can lead to a great life. Healthy, happy, rewarding. But that nutrition simply cannot be found in the foods we eat alone. Take a minute and assess your health, the way you feel, the way your family feels, the way your kids feel. Health is more than just feeling well. It's also making sure you have a strong immune system, especially in these trying times. Vitamins aren't enough alone. In fact, they have to be the right vitamins, the right supplements made from the most effective ingredients. Otherwise, they don't do the job. It makes the world of a difference. There's a new website you can visit that'll help you navigate these ideas and guide you to better health. There's no obligation. Just visit MyHealthRocksNow.com. That's MyHealthRocksNow.com and start feeling better today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dr. Linda Backman is a psychologist, a researcher, an author, and a hypnotic regression therapist. We're going to be talking about soul level issues tonight, soul evolution, the purpose of soul regression, understanding pre-birth decisions that we make, where souls come from, interplanetary souls, the difference between past life soul regression and between lives soul regression, also how information gained during a regression session helps a client understand their current life. Uh, Linda, welcome to Beyond Reality. It's so great to have you with us tonight. Thank you, JV. It's a pleasure to be here. I think probably the best way to start uh, with this conversation is to kind of define some of these things so we all know what we're talking about. And the biggest thing we need to define to make all of this make sense for us is the soul. What is the soul? Well, my understanding of the soul, having guided regression for about 27 years, is And so when I answer questions, JV, it comes from what have I heard from client after client. The soul is an aspect of divine energy that is created by, you know, people can use the terms that fit for them. Some people would say God, some people would say the source, the creator, the Tao. There are many terms that, that people like to use. Great spirit, another, another good term. So an aspect of divine energy is is the soul, and the soul is designed to grow and evolve. Is that divine energy uh, part of a of a whole? Do all souls and all that divine energy come together to make one uh, divine being, or are we all independent pieces of divine energy? I think the best answer is we are all independent pieces of divine energy. We are, you might say, sparks of the divine. Um, essentially, the creator um, or, or God, whatever word people want to use, creates individual souls 
because individual souls are the ones that, in, in the case of coming into body on earth, individual souls come to earth to have responsibility and at a kind of a 30,000-foot view come to evolve humanity. I like the way you put that in, in, in a sense here because you said, you know, you use the word God and then you said whatever word you want to use because I think we get kind of bogged down in, in that concept by itself. Um, I would call that divine being God, but, but other people would call that divine being something else. But what we're saying here is the soul is part of that greater divineness. That's correct. That, 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 is, that is our divinity when we're, in, when we're incarnate as you and I, JV, and listeners are, what that means is a portion of our soul, a slice of our individual soul comes into our body when we're born, and then the remainder of our soul is our higher self. That's what resides in the higher realm, call it, again, lots of words can fit, but in the higher realm, that is where the remainder of our soul and each of us is an individual soul. A few of these questions are very rudimentary, and forgive me for asking them uh, because they are very, very basic, but I think it's important, again, to establish this groundwork. Um, for the purposes of our conversation tonight, and based on your research and the things you've found by doing regression therapy, is the soul, um, is it eternal? Yes, yes, yes. Our, our, our soul is immortal. We, that's what reincarnation uh, tells us we know we've lived before we will live again and so when someone dies as i'm sure you and many listeners are you know perfectly aware of that aspect of soul leaves the body when the body's no longer functioning but our soul is immortal that's why we can sense our loved ones even after they've passed what is our best evidence? And I'm sure you've seen a lot of things that support these ideas that we're talking about tonight. But for those of us who don't have as much direct experience, what's the best evidence of the existence of the soul? Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a beautiful question. Um, well, for me, because, and, and I can if you want me to, I, I'm happy uh, to tell the story of how I got into this work. But the, the bottom line for me is because I, I've been guiding regression pretty much week in and week out for about 27 years, is the, the, the soul uh, comes into body. And, you know, there, there are people who will say, uh, there are women who get pregnant, and they'll say, I knew when I got pregnant, or I knew when the soul entered the developing fetus um, in in my womb. And so people have all kinds of, of intuitive, powerful experiences that convince them that that there is soul. You just said um, that there's a story with uh, that. Um, basically outlines how, outlines how you got into this work. And this next question may uh, open the door to that discussion. But you made a transition at one point in your career from a conventional psychotherapist, from doing conventional psychotherapy with people, to uh, a client um, psycho-spiritual work. What is the difference between psycho-spiritual work and just traditional psychotherapy? Oh, great question. Um, well, when I was doing conventional, uh, I'm a psychologist by training. So when I was, before I fell into uh, understanding the soul, understanding past lives, I was a psychologist in general private practice. And so back then, I was guiding what you would call psychotherapy, you know, the general word for counseling, Mm -hmm. helping people focus on issues in their life. Until I discovered through my own uh, personal intuitive experiences, uh, the soul, past lives, and then I began to do what I would what I call psycho spiritual work because it's it's looking at your life from a soul perspective of who am I as a soul, who am I you know who was I before, how do my past lives affect my current life, um, what agreements did I make in life today, what free will choices have I made in life today. And we can begin to get a sense of what comes after in terms of a future life. So it's psycho-spiritual because I'm, I'm focusing on the spirituality of being immortal soul. 
Did you have an experience or what touched you uh, to make you make that transition in your career? <laughs> and I'll say to, to some extent, um, I came into this work not, not hugely kicking and screaming, but mildly <laughs> kicking and screaming. So um, long story short, um, now everybody is going to know how old I am, which I, that's totally fine with me. Um, when I was in my middle 40s, and that's about 27 years ago, minding my own business as a psychologist in general private practice. Um, sadly, my um, original psychologist colleague with whom I built a group practice of psychologists and psychiatrists, my, my colleague died from a type of lung cancer in 1993 at the age of 32. Oh. And from a, from a, yeah, it was, it was a hugely tragic uh, loss, particularly of course, for his family and, and close friends. And, and he and I were just easy, comfortable colleagues. When he passed, uh, I, if you'd met me, JV, before he passed, and you'd said, Linda, do you believe in the soul? Do you believe in reincarnation? I would have said, I don't know. I don't disbelieve it, but I don't have any reason to believe it. And until he, you know, back then I would have said died. Today I say passed or crossed over, those mm-hmm. kinds of terms. When When he passed, Within about 48 hours of his passing, I began to sense him around me. It was all an intuitive experience, but I believed completely that I sensed his energy. I, I felt like I was intuiting, um, and I teach people how to use their intuition, um, but I was intuiting uh, things he was saying to me. And then I started believing that when I was like in a darkened room, like in bed early in the morning or late at night, I, I, I sensed that I was seeing images in my mind's eye of scenes of past lives that I had shared with him. Now, I thought back then this was utterly crazy, bizarre, weird, and yet I was fascinated. I didn't know what to do with it until, and I'll make this rather short, but I think this piece is really important. I said to my husband, I, I'd already been married about 25 years. My husband and I both have doctoral degrees. My husband was an academic, but we'd never spoken about reincarnation at all. I asked my husband to sit down, and I said, I said, I'm having these weird experiences, and I explained to him what I was sensing. And I figured he'd just kind of, you know, have his eyes roll back in his head and go, oh, you know, my, my goodness, what's the matter with you, you know, my dear wife? Right. But he didn't. He looked at me really calmly, JV, and I looked back at him and I said, you don't think this is strange, do you? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And basically he said, literally he said to me, only now do I remember that when I was a boy growing up, I remembered my past lives in detail, but I just tucked that all away. I forgot about it until now because I thought people would think um, I was crazy. But he said, I've always believed in past lives. I've always believed in reincarnation because I knew details of my lives when I was a boy. Wow. That was really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have I have to imagine that, you know, sometimes when you talk about this, uh, and it's certainly not the case with this particular audience, but there's going to be people and audiences that you start talking about this, and they're going to, you know, their, their jaw will kind of drop, and they'll be like, what are you talking about, huh? This, this might, sounds like crazy talk. Right. Of course. Uh, of course. And, you know, do I walk into the local grocery store? <laughs> ignoring COVID, but do I walk to the local <laughs> grocery store and, and, and can I find 10 people who all um, are interested in this kind of thing and believe it? Of course not. Um, but I think for those of us who have really, for you know, through one means or another, we've come to be interested, fascinated. We want to know who are we at the deeper level? Why are we here? What's our purpose? Um, why do we have unexplained fears? Why do we have unexplained difficulty in a particular relationship that makes no sense, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Then those are the people that find this helpful, um, uh, a means of understanding our life at a deeper level. I know, I know we don't want to keep uh, belaboring this particular point, but you've been doing this for nearly 30 years. And have you noticed any change in attitude? Uh, of, let's say, the general public as it comes to topics like this, these more metaphysical, spiritual topics? Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I, 
I think there are people that more and more people are needing a deeper foundation, a deeper perspective. Um, maybe they've always wanted to believe there's something more than this life, this body, um, even in particular, literally right now. And, and you know, pre-COVID, I traveled about 50% of the time around the United States and outside the United States to guide regression and to teach and speak about this type of work. I've been home for about, I don't know, seven months, I guess, and I'm working remotely, and I'm doing a lot of work on Zoom, and I'm finding the demand is growing. Is it? Because, yeah, because people are struggling with many things that are going on on our planet. As people uh, enter turmoil in their lives or difficulties of one form or another, and we all have them, but as those difficulties mount, do you think that the need for these types of answers increases? Oh, I think absolutely. You know, it's like for the person who gets a, uh, a, a terrible diagnosis or the person who has someone close to them die or, I mean, people either dealing with COVID or the, the loss of someone from, from COVID. Um, yes, I, I, I think that's what happens for um, many people when they're trying to understand um, why am I experiencing this or I, I need a deeper foundation to understand certain aspects of my life. I had asked you uh, what were the best evidence there is that you've seen or that you believe um, you've come across that supports the existence of the soul. But what about the idea that a soul will return for multiple lifetimes? Same thing. What kind of evidence have you seen that really you'd say is the best evidence of that idea? Well, when when I first fell into this work, I, I obviously decided I'd pursue learning about it. So I started trying to read everything I could put my hands on that I thought was grounded. You know, I, I <laughs> nearly 30 years ago when I was in general private practice, most of the referrals into my practice came from medical doctors. So I thought, Oh my gosh, if I go in this direction of this type of uh, soul work, regression work, past life work, um, all my referrals will dry up. So, you know, that was, that, that was a fear of mine. It, it never materialized. But what happened was I started learning how to guide regression work. And my first step was how to guide uh, just basically past life regression, which means um, guiding the client to access a past life where they experience the details. They tell me about the past life. I don't tell them about their past life. Right. And at first I thought, it isn't, it isn't that simple. I, I, I thought, oh, this isn't just about um, uh, interviewing the client, preparing them for the regression, um, and then guiding them uh, basically with relaxation. And hip, it, yes, it's hypnosis, but hypnosis is nothing more than relaxation. At first, I thought it's not that simple. They won't, you know, this won't work. And then I discovered, obviously, now years ago, that almost every time I guided a client into a past life, it was a past life with a great deal of detail and a great deal of connection and, you know, sort of explanatory uh, past life that connected um, directly to current life and help the client move forward in their current life. So that, you know, that, that's, I mean, besides mentors I had years ago, of course, um, and other therapists that do this kind of work who also um, believe that it works, but, but it just time and time again, I found it was extremely valuable and therapeutic for the client and literal past life details came forward. When you're guiding a client through this regression process and you're tapping into a past life, how do you know when they've crossed that point by which they actually are drawing from those memories? Is, is it is it a, an abrupt thing? Do they ease into it? What's the transition for them? Well, okay, uh, without going into a lot of detail about what is the re, what's the relaxation process, but so it. I have kind of a standardized way of guiding the client to relax. It's simply breathing, imagery, metaphor, 
a client, and we know through brain research that anytime we relax, like even we're home, it's the end of a long work day, and we sit down and turn on music, or we sit down and, you know, pick up a glass of wine or a cup of tea or whatever it might be. If you're hooked up to EEG equipment, we know through standard brain research that the cycles per second of our brain slow down as we relax. We know through brain research that as that CPS of our brain slows down, the right hemisphere of our brain, which is our intuitive, emotion-based, spiritually-oriented, creative aspect of our brain, that the right hemisphere of our brain, when we relax, becomes more lit up on a brain scan. So there's been lots of brain research. And so that's, that's exactly what happens technically in the brain when I guide the client to relax. I guide the client through metaphor into sort of, quote, unquote, the first scene of an important past life. And then I begin to ask the client little tiny questions. Are you inside or outside? Are you alone or not? Is it day or night? Um, Notice your feet. What's on your feet? And what begins to happen is literal detail of where they are, what they're wearing, who's there, what do they smell, what's the temperature, and, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. When people recall these types of details of a past life, and and as you work with them, and I don't know if this is a time limitation or if it's a memory limitation, but how much of that life do they do they recall? Do they recall like a given day, or can they recall multiple days? Can they recall the whole thing? Well, yeah, that's that's a great question too. So I always say to the client, I'm the facilitator, but I'm not in charge of the content. And what I say to the client before we start the regression in the time of interview is I basically say, I'm not, I'm not choosing the past life you're going to discover. The past life that comes forward for the client, basically, JV, is determined by the soul of the client and the spiritual guides of the client. What past life um, will the client find the most useful or most explanatory on that particular day of the regression, what will they learn about a past life that relates directly to what they're going through presently um, in their life? So, you know, bottom line to, to your question is, I facilitate the session. Sometimes it's three scenes. Sometimes it's six scenes. Ultimately, the client goes into the wherever they, whatever scene they drop into, that's what they're describing to me. More often than not, it's a scene in a past life where the client is is a young adult. It's kind of interesting because I don't guide how old they're going to be when they step into the first scene of the past life. But more commonly than, than not, it's somewhere between ages 20 and 30. But the goal of the regression is to move scene by scene all the way to the final scene. We want to fit in it. You know, now it's a little bit like a training class here. The, the, uh, and I train people in this work too, but I want the client to go all the way to the final scene or the death scene because I, I want them to know what led to the ending of the life so that we close the life, that we finish the life Occasionally, a client is guided by their soul and their guides to a past life that was sort of unresolved. Like, simple example would be they're, the, they're a mother and they have an 18-month-old child and it's, you know, 300 years ago and they die from some illness and they, they leave their 18-month-old child and that that's left them in current life with a fear of having children, just as an example. Right. So if we go all, all the way to the death scene and we close it, then that often helps release the current life fear they're still carrying. These scenes that people are uh, recalling, uh, you've made me- several references to how they can help them with their current life. And I don't want to get into the detail of that yet, but I do want to ask 
Is there a fear or have you had a situation where they've actually recalled something that maybe has been uh, terrifying? Maybe they were being tortured. Uh, Who knows? Um, But uh, does that ever have a negative effect on somebody if they recall something that isn't a pleasant experience? Um, Yeah, kind of two answers to that. First answer is that the client... So, so, and we can talk about spiritual guides in this conversation if you want. But the 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 client is always supported at a higher level. In other okay. words, there is there there is divine support, if you will, um, meaning spiritual guides. So that the spiritual guides are not going to choose a past life for a client, you know, to discover unless they're ready. Now that said. Does that mean every client goes to a highly challenging, highly traumatic past life? No, it doesn't mean that. There are times when the client needs to discover, um, like I just said, they died and left an 18-month-old child behind. Um, So every past life that comes forward for a client doesn't hold trauma. But if it does, and so I, you know, it's true that sometimes clients discover past lives, not like they're, you know, tortured. And I mean, I do, I do have clients that, you know, a number of hundred years ago, they die at the guillotine, and and there's a purpose to that. Maybe they're struggling with um, a throat issue, um, a neck issue that they've never been able to get rid of. If if they're gonna, so just using this as an example, sure. So. If they go to a past life and, you know, it's in, you know, 17th century France and they die at the guillotine, the goal for the, 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 the spiritual guides of the client are trying to help the client release this unresolved, um, sort of unexplained by, by medical doctors, this unresolved issue in their throat. And often it makes a huge difference. So we had a question just scroll through our chat room um, from one of our regular listeners asking if a past life can haunt your dreams. Um, I think based on what you just said, it's clear that a past life can haunt you almost physically. You just used a guillotine as an example and having a throat issue in this current life as the result. Um, Can they haunt your dreams, past lives? In other words, can uh, I think the the listener is probably asking, can past lives show up in your dreams? Yeah. And the answer is absolutely yes. Can you can. do you recognize them? Let's say I have never had a past life regression session with anyone, which I haven't. Um, if I were to dream of a past life, would I be able to recognize that? Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. Yeah. Um, and 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 some of it is, you know, how detailed is the dream? How clear cut, you know, is the dream that the person knows it's either a different time period or, you know, let's just say the, 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 the human person who's dreaming is, is a man, but they're dreaming about having been a woman. I mean, you know, certain things that they're going to make it more obvious and, and just easily said, if we're a woman in life today, we've virtually always been a man at least a handful of times and vice versa. But it really varies because it depends on the details of the dream. That makes a lot of sense. We're talking tonight with Dr. Linda Backman. Um, website, the best website for you, Linda, is ravenheartcenter.com. Is that right? Absolutely. You've written several yeah. books, including Souls on Earth, The Evolving Soul, and Bringing Your Soul to Light. Let's talk about soul origin a little bit. Tell us about it. That's a, that's a great topic and one that may or may shock some people, may not shock some people. So, um, again, what I write about, what I've learned about comes from, you know, the numerous years of guiding regression. So um, when I studied regression years ago, and one of the people I studied with, some of your listeners may know the books of Dr. Michael Newton, and Michael was a, a well-respected um, regression therapist who's now on the other side. But um, one of the things that, that Michael taught us when I was training years ago was that we could have past lives on Earth, or that we do have past lives on, on Earth, but that we could have past lives somewhere 
other than on earth. And I accepted that when he taught that. Mm-hmm. And then as I, be, as, I, as I began to guide regression um, back in the 90s, <clears throat> occasionally I'd have a client that went to a past life not on earth. And basically what I'm saying is that that went to a past life on a planet, in a star system. Um, it, 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 it can be in interdimensional space, in other words, non-dense space. Periodically, I'd have a client that went to a non-Earth past life. Then suddenly, I don't know, 15 or so years ago, I started paying attention to my the clients that I was working with, started thinking back on you know, uh, numerous clients that I had begun to work with, and I began to realize that about 50% of the clients I was working with were discovering lives not on Earth. So I began to wonder about that, and um, I do have some ability to connect with my own spiritual guides, and and I can do some intuitive conversation with my own guides. And so I basically said to my guides, "Why, you know, why are you guiding these people into my practice?" And simply put, the answer was, Linda, because we want you to understand um, souls, people that have had many lives not on earth because they bring great wisdom to to the earth and to humanity when they come into body on earth but they're highly unique they have exceptional skills <clears throat> excuse me they accept exceptional skills and they also have great challenges in their lives and we want you to be able to help them help them understand themselves and help them live the purpose for which they came into body now. So, long answer, um, <laughs> some of us as souls primarily incarnate on earth. And that's what I call an earth-based soul. That simply means a soul who incarnates almost exclusively on earth. There are souls that incarnate, it's just the opposite, almost exclusively incarnate other than on earth. And where they incarnate that is not earth are highly evolved cultures, and those souls bring that wisdom of a, of, a, of a healthy culture, an evolved culture, to Earth to help humanity. Then lastly, and we can go deeper into this if you want, lastly, there are souls, let me, let me back up a step, souls, so just terminology, Earth-based souls, that soul incarnates primarily on Earth. Interplanetary souls simply means a soul that primarily incarnates not on earth. I have learned there's a third, you might say, type of soul, and that's a soul that comes from the angelic realm that usually doesn't incarnate at all, but occasionally comes to earth because they bring deep love and compassion because they're part of the angelic realm. Okay, so if I pick up on what you just said about the angelic realm, we've talked about angels on this program with many, many people. It's an amazing phenomenon and, and concept. And uh, I'm from my understanding of angels is that they do not. They were not in human form. They are not ever uh, created in human form. They, so is this the soul, the angelic soul that we're talking about? They remain I don't know what the word is, but they remain in angelic form and do not, their souls do not have a history of being human and they do not uh, ever become human? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm a student of my clients. So what happened uh, now, maybe it's five, six, seven, eight years ago, as I guide regression, you know, week in and week out pretty much, I began to find Client, I began to have clients periodically where when I guided them into past life and then to the soul level, and again, we can, I know it's a complicated topic because I guide two types of regression, and one type of regression includes past life and working at the client's soul level or the higher self level. I began to have clients that I didn't give them the information. They gave me the information, and they began to explain that their soul was part of the angelic realm and that 
for specific purpose and on rare occasion, they incarnated as a human on earth for, if we try to boil it down, for the simple reason that angelic realm souls, angelic realm souls come from a place in the universe that is pure love and compassion, and they bring that perspective to earth when they incarnate. So, yes, they are angelic beings. Now, are they the archangels? No. Um, so I'm not saying that I've, you know, that, that I, I don't, it's my understanding that the archangels that coordinate the angelic realm do not incarnate. But I have had far more than one client um, come for regression and discover they are a soul from the angelic realm. Do we travel in soul groups? Another question that scrolled through the chat room here is, do we uh, spend time, let's say our, our, our parents now, will we, will we uh, reincar- reincarnate with them? Maybe the roles will be reversed. Maybe it'll be different roles altogether, but the same soul groups? So, yes. Uh, I mean, the simple answer is yes. The slightly longer answer is that when our soul is created, we we are created as a part of a small, call it a soul group, call it a soul pod. We're, we, when our soul is created, a small group of souls is created, like a small group of earth-based souls, as an example, is created. It's typically 10 to 20 souls, approximately, and those are the souls we incarnate with most often. Those are the souls. That doesn't mean... Like if there are 20 souls in that soul pod, it doesn't mean in every incarnation that we have that all 20 souls are in that lifetime. But it means that more often than not, some of the members of that soul pod are in um, our, our incarnation. What yeah. about, uh, do twins share something unique with their souls or is that just a physical uh, a, a concept? Yeah, um, what I what I've learned by, by regressing twins um, is that so first of all, you know whether whether twins are fraternal or identical, they are not the same soul. In other words, they're not the same soul in two different bodies simultaneously. Right. Um, but but more often than not, if you have a twin, you have probably incarnated before with your twin. We're talking with Dr. Linda Backman about the soul. She is a psychologist, a researcher, an author, a hypnotic regression therapist. Uh, Linda, before we get back into the discussion, you've got three books out that I've uh, mentioned here, Souls on Earth, The Evolving Soul, Bringing Your Soul to Light. Do you recommend them to be read in any particular order? Well, uh, I think it's important, J.V., just for people to know, Souls on Earth, that which is the the last book that I wrote, the third book that I wrote, is completely uh, focused on interplanetary souls. In other words, that book includes uh, regression material, content from clients of mine that are interplanetary souls. So that that kind of is a a little bit of a, a more narrow focus. The other two, so my first book is Bringing Your Soul to Light. My second book is The Evolving Soul. You know, I, I would say if people are unfamiliar with this whole topic, they need to start with either bringing your soul to light or the evolving soul or read both. If they're really interested primarily in interplanetary souls and, and that material, that's the book Souls on Earth. Yeah. And where can the books be purchased? You can find them on Amazon. Um, they're 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 uh, on Amazon, both Kindle and and hardcover. Um, also, if people can't seem to find a hardcover copy, we have copies. Um, people can just go to the RavenheartCenter.com. Um, we can mail people um, a copy if they're if they can't seem to find one. Another question that uh, scrolled through the chat room that I want to address uh, before we get back into the conversation in depth is this: uh, these other, uh, what we would call otherworldly creatures, things like fairies or interdimensional beings or maybe even Bigfoot or some of these cryptid-type 
creatures that have a, a human element to them. Do we know anything about souls? Have you ever had a regression uh, therapy uh, session with, with a client and they've said, wow, I was not human. I was this in a past life. Well, the, the answer is yes, and, and the reason the answer is yes, and there are many examples of this in, in that third book, Souls on Earth, is because if I'm working with a client who primarily does not incarnate on Earth, so they're what I call an interplanetary soul, mm-hmm. those, clients will, those clients will go to, um, see if I can again try to make this easy to understand, if someone is an interplanetary soul, that means that client's soul has a home base somewhere in the universe where that soul comes from. That's where their higher self resides. If you're an Earth-based soul, you incarnate primarily on Earth, your higher self, um, you would say, resides at, at a frequency tied to Earth. If you're an interplanetary soul, your higher self resides at a frequency tied to where your soul comes from, like a planet, a star system. And so when we discover, when we access that home base for an interplanetary soul, sometimes they don't have a human body. They have a different kind of physical structure at their soul's home base that, you know, to a human may look weird, isn't dangerous, isn't scary, isn't harmful, but they don't necessarily appear in, in, in a human-type form. When we talk about the higher realm, are we talking about a divine place that helps oversee humanity and maybe all of life uh, through all the universe? Uh, and are there souls in that higher realm, that's, higher realm that specifically support humanity? Yes, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the bottom line to, again, trying to make things that are kind of complicated, but try to make it clear and simple, um, when we come into body on Earth, no matter what type of soul we are, we come to Earth, not only, we come to Earth for two reasons. We come to evolve our own soul through our life experience, and we come to assist humanity to evolve. So, you know, there's this word karma that everybody probably knows what that word means. So when we come into body, we come into life with a plan, but we don't always follow that plan. Now, can we change whether we're tall or short? Can we change the color of our skin? Can we change those two um, biological parents? No. But we come into body with a plan, and we have free will on Earth, so we can go against that free will. But the bottom line is that we are expected to continue to evolve as a soul. And as we evolve as a soul, our, 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 the entirety of our soul evolves, expands, gains wisdom, however you want to put that. And the more evolved we are as a soul, the more our higher self has responsibility in the higher realm to assist the universe to evolve by serving as spiritual guides. And does that cycle continue forever, or do you reach a point where you are no longer, I don't know if the word required or privileged, whatever it is, to take human form, to have the soul put into a human body again? Do you reach a point where you no longer do that, and now you just become part of the higher realm? Yes. Yes, you can reach the you can reach the point where you are sufficiently evolved. You are, you know you ha, you might say you have sufficient wisdom and perspective, but then you continue to take on responsibility in the spiritual realm for serving in a in, in the form of a spiritual guide. So you may not come into body on Earth any longer, but that doesn't mean that that you don't have responsibility. It, it, you know, it's funny. It makes me chuckle a bit because I've had lots of clients who will come in and during the interview, they'll say, I just know I'm done. I, 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 I know this is my last life and I'm so ready for it to be my last life because I'm, I know I'm done. And, you know, I say to them, well, great. It could be your last incarnation, but please know 
that the coordinator, I'm not talking about God, I'm talking about evolved souls that are, you might say, below God or work along with a guiding force, a great spirit, you know, please know that, that, that your soul in its entirety has responsibility in the higher realm. We talked about angelic souls, the angelic realm. What about um, something darker? Are there dark souls? And do those dark souls take human form? Well, you know, I used to think that wasn't the case. And this is what has happened over the course of all these years that I've been guiding regression. I think that for whatever reason, I was, I, I, I think I wanted to be a little bit Pollyanna. And I used to think that wasn't the case. Um, as I did more and more regression, the truth is, yes, there is, you might, I tend to like to call it nefarious energy. You could call it evil behavior. You could call it dark energy. There are souls in the higher realm that would prefer for us as souls and as a human culture to not advance. And so at times, Yes, I believe they try to block that. We have uh, a lot of conversations on the program about ghosts. What's the relationship between ghosts and souls? Or maybe you don't believe ghosts exist. I'm not sure what your feelings are there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, that's where I'd, I'd love to, you know, say, well, what do people mean by by a ghost? So, you know, for example, we have um, loved ones on the other side that would like to get our attention or are still struggling with how they died or what happened at the end of their lives. I think in that case, that can be someone that shows up and we might call them a ghost. So, you know, I would then wonder when people are using that term or having those experiences, like I completely believe that people can say, well, this this building is haunted or this, you know, this house is haunted. Uh, I, my sense is that means that is um, the, the, uh, a portion of the energy of that soul wasn't ready to, ex- to, to let go or, or they're, they're bothered by the experiences they had in that lifetime and you can still feel their energy. So I do believe ghosts exist. There are um, a lot of phenomena that we ascribe to what we would call our soul. Um, Can we, as a living person, can we access our soul? Can we feel our soul without going through a regression process? Are we aware of our soul? I think some people are. I I think some people can sense. You know, when you say, are we aware of our soul? I think that for those people that do have a a sense of of feeling or sensing their soul, they're they're tapping into their higher self. They're tapping into um, that aspect of their soul that that resides in in the spiritual realm. And and maybe, okay, let me explain this. Maybe this will make it clear. So if we're not incarnate, um, and we, we, we're told by our guides that it's time to plan the next lifetime. We essentially, um, if you will, and I know this is going to sound very human-like, but it really works this way. We, we, we sit down with our spiritual guides and we plan an upcoming life. And as we plan that life, we choose all kinds of things. What, what, what karma are we going to work on? What another word, dharma. What dharma are we going to bring with us? Dharma would mean, what did we accomplish in past lives? A skill, an ability, um, a perspective on life. What, not just karma do we bring with us to work on, what accomplishments do we bring with us? And then all kinds of things from parents to body structure to um, health to um level of intelligence and and all of that and then we also decide what um you might say what percentage or how large of a holographic portion of our soul energy 
do we bring into body when we're born? The rest is our higher self that remains in the spiritual realm. I think that when people say, I sense my soul or I sense my higher being or whatever work they put to it, they're sensing their higher self. You have mentioned this process by which in between lives, we work with our soul guides and our spirit guides and we plan our next life. What is the length of time? And is it a measurable uh, process by which we are ending one physical life planning for the next before we actually are, are, are put into that next life? Yeah, um, it varies a lot, and it varies based on a lot of things. So, you know, I, I would, if I had to try to put a kind of a range to it, I'd say there's probably anywhere from two to ten, you know, talking about in Earth time, two to ten years between incarnations. But the time frame can be it can be shorter and when it's shorter it's usually because we're wanting to expand the evolution of our soul faster or and it could be and we're wanting to have more impact on humanity by the life that we live and then there's a there's a third answer um, JV, and of course, these are things I've just learned over the course of a long time. A more experienced soul, a, a soul that has gained, let's just say, mid-range of evolution and above, is a soul that at times that will have more than one simultaneous incarnation. Oh, really? Meaning, okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so that that's what we call a split incarnation. That's a somewhat more evolved soul that decides to have two lives simultaneously. Now that that doesn't mean that two different people are born on the very same day and they look alike and they're both men and they're both women or whatever. That just means there's some overlap timing-wise for those two incarnations and those two people, if you will, are aspects of the same soul. So if, if that, yeah, I mean, I'm trying that, to that surprise you. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah. wrap, wrap my head around this. Um, so is it, is it as the, I think you've said this, but as the soul uh, evolves, it can reach a point where it can do this and it can, it can, it can split. Or is yes. it one soul stretching more than one life um, or more than one body during the lifetime? Or is it actually, does it actually split and become two parts of a whole? It's, okay, I think I understand what you're asking. Um, when, okay, when there are two people with an overlapping time frame of incarnation mm-hmm. that are the same soul, both those people still have a higher self. So it's almost like uh, if you think about, uh, you know, 100% of our soul energy and we're going to have, there are going to be two different people that are the same soul. It means you always have a higher self. You never, you still don't ever bring 100% of your soul into body because we always have that divine connection. But it's two people each with a different life plan, different life purpose, and each has a slice of, of, of the soul, of that same soul. It's almost like a pie. So take a, take a pie and cut two pie slices out of it. Each of those pie slices is, is an incarnate person, and the remainder of the pie is the higher self. Wow. Um, I I have to ask you, uh, because you you say most of this information that you have has come from your work with clients. How did you first discover this particular concept while working with a client? Do you remember? Yeah, different ways. Um, Different ways. Sometimes uh, one way would be uh, I had a client who... I ha- it's come from different ways. It, one way would be a client 
that comes for the longer regression that I guide that includes soul level work. So it's past life going to the, going to the death of the, in the past life and then following that natural journey of the soul leaving the body at the end of the past life and that slice of soul returning to, you might say, step back in to the higher self. And then the client learns from their guides about who they are as a soul, how they plan their current life. They learn about soul pod. And at times clients are told um, when they're working with their guide that they have a split incarnation. Wow. So that's what, one way I've learned about it. And, and, and I'll say it just in case, you know, listeners are kind of fascinated with this kind of thing. Um, I would suggest to listeners that they pay attention to either people in their life, people they know in their life, or sometimes someone will say, you know, you look exactly like um, this person on TV, or you look exactly like my best friend. Split incarnations often resemble each other, either facially and or body structure. So that's another way sometimes it's figured out where the client asks those kinds of questions during the regression. Does physical uh, appearance have anything to do with the soul? Is there any connection? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I guess the, the best answer is yes. And there's a lot of concepts written about in my books that I that I teach in virtual courses that I teach in trainings and that sort of thing. Um, our soul has a an archetype. Our our soul has a particular orientation. Call it an archetype. And those archetypes are like it's an approach to life. It's a it's um, what kinds of things interest you? And do you approach life more from an emotional standpoint? Do you approach it more from a mental standpoint? And there are seven possible archetypes that I write about in my books and teach about. Sometimes the archetype um, connotes type of body structure. And so sometimes, yes, not always, but sometimes our physical appearance um, can can also relate to when we talked earlier um, tonight about soul origin. Sometimes our physical appearance relates to soul origin. Interplanetary souls, for example, often have, sometimes I can, when I meet a new client before I guide the regression and I never tell them what my hunches are, but I, I begin to hunch, if you will, that they're an interplanetary soul. And at times, that's what they discover. And I have never said a word to them about that. So the answer is yes. Let's talk a little bit about the difference between the Earth Council and the Interplanetary Council. I think we've kind of touched on both of those. But uh, what makes them different, obviously, other than um, what, I, what I assume they are uh, affecting? Um, but are they the same types of souls? Yeah, um, the Earth Council is made up of the of souls whose job is to do what they can to assist humanity to evolve, and the only way they have the power to do that is they serve as guides. So the Earth Council, like for instance. Um, the Earth Council observes Earth and observes all the problems with climate change. They, they're aware of the fires. They're aware of the hurricanes. And the Earth Council comes together almost like a parliamentary body. And they, make, they, they literally, as souls, make decisions about how can we you know, use this as a silly but I think a, a true and, and serious example. Um, how can we get humans to wake up? How can we get, I mean, you know, we're in, the, we're in the midst of such huge issues on our planet, and particularly in the United States. The Earth Council are advanced Earth-based souls that are trying to help Earth 
evolve, the only way they can do that is to serve as guides. They don't come here and start the fires. They're not going to determine the outcome of the election in less than four weeks, um, but they serve as guides. The interplanetary soul is, um, again, like a parliament made up of advanced souls that are representative, representatives from various celestial locations that come together to try to coordinate um, life um, among these celestial locations, including Earth. They are representatives from Earth that serve on the Interplanetary Council. But we, you know, we could simply say they're representatives from other planetary bodies like Orion's Belt and Sirius and, and, and such locations. And there are lots of interplanetary locations where we don't have a name. So often a client will come in and they'll say, Linda, I've read, you know, I, 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 I want to learn more about interplanetary souls. I think I am one. And they come for a regression and they say, I just know I'm from Sirius. And I simply say to the client, well, okay, fine. Let's ask that question during your regression. Because I, I think as humans, we get, you know, awfully attached to, I know I'm Pleiadian. Or I know I'm, you know, Arcturian, and the client may be, or they may not be. This is all fascinating, um, and we're going to run out of time before I run out of questions. But you talked about problems on Earth. Obviously, one of the things that we're facing right now that we've been facing for what seven, eight months now is this pandemic. Is there? Any connection between what our Earth Council or what the higher realm is doing in its effort to help humanity and this particular disease? Is there anything there? Do they have any um, connection to its existence? Yeah, these are these are questions that I've both asked my guides, but that I've asked in regression sessions. Um, so my my understanding is. The higher realm did not create COVID for some purpose. Um, and I can't tell you exactly, you know, there are different theories about how was, you know, where did, <clears throat> excuse me, where did COVID come from? The higher realm did not, you know, plant this problem on our planet um, to see what we do about it. But the higher realm does do all they can to try to support us to, um, find ways of dealing with it. And to, um, I, I think that those of us who are more experienced souls, and I would imagine probably most people, JV, that listen to your program are probably more experienced souls and they wouldn't be interested in these kinds of things. But it, it, it in certain ways, it falls on the shoulders of more experienced souls to try to push policy and you know, where, you know, push people, encourage people to wear masks and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I think that things like COVID is, there's certain, certain ways, you know, some people would say, obviously, COVID was created because of, you know, a wet market with animals that weren't needing to be sold for food and that we, you know, we've we've raised animals and had them in, encroach on um, uh, nature and locations where they shouldn't have been. I, I think that it's the creation of humans that's led to this. But the advancement and the evolution is how are we going to deal with this and how are we going to get beyond it? Um, and I think that's how that all fits together. Uh, if someone was interested in having... Um a regression session. Um, first of all, if they wanted to do that with you, how would they do it? But secondly, is do you do you recommend it for any particular type of person? Is there somebody who uh, would not uh, you would recommend not have a regression session? The only the only thing I'd say about that is if you don't believe. That there is such, you know, if you firmly don't believe there is no such thing as the soul, there is no such thing as as reincarnation, there is no such thing as divine energy. I mean, if you're if you're really closed off to that, that can block the process. I don't find that happens for the clients that I work with because 
that's not the nature of the, the, the person that comes for a regression. So other than what I just said about being a complete non-believer, I would say there's there's no other reason that, that I would say um, for which, you know, a person should not have a regression. Yeah. And how do they how do they um, contact you if they want to have a session with you? Do you offer private sessions like that? I do. I, I, I guide private sessions like that all the time. Um, they need to just go to my website, ravenheartcenter.com. Um, I am not traveling right now, so um, unless someone lives in, in, in Colorado, which is, which is where I live, I am guiding some in-person sessions. If you know people are willing to follow COVID guidelines, they've been following those guidelines, they're going to have to wear a mask. Um, during the session and and will be socially distanced in my office, but I'm actually guiding a lot of regression work um, via Zoom, and it works absolutely fine. Um, I never used to guide quite as much um, work on Zoom, and and it and it works just fine. So if people just contact me through my website, um, that'd be the easiest way to talk about and learn more about. Um, the regression that I guide, and there's a, you know there's a lot of information on my website that explains the sessions and the details of the sessions that people can go look at. And finally, you know, with these very very unusual times that we're dealing with, uh, under normal circumstances, many of us are dealing with grief. In extreme circumstances, we're dealing with more grief, and that seems to be what we're doing now. What's your right. what's your uh, advice or your um, your message to people who might be dealing with more grief than uh, we would under normal circumstances. Uh, And how does your work help people deal with that grief? And I assume, JV, you're talking about grief over people dying from COVID, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting you ask that because um, before I stepped into regression work and reincarnation, I was I was very involved with hospice, and I prior to getting into um, regression work, I did a lot of grief counseling, and I was always very um, practice that 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 I found important, and so I, I've done a lot of grief counseling over the years. Um, I, I think one of the main messages that that I would give to people is that. And we talked about this in the beginning of your show. The soul is immortal. Um, it, it's a tragedy for any family who's had to deal with someone who's died from from COVID, um, and yet their their loved one's soul remains. Can be accessible either through regression work. There are also some wonderful, very capable mediums. Um, that will help people. So I help people to connect to the soul of a loved one. Obviously, of course, there are some highly capable, uh, intuitive people that do mediumship work that can help people. But just please know that your loved one, um, their body is gone, but their soul is is immortal and, and remains. That's important information. Once again, your website is ravenheartcenter.com. And uh, we appreciate your time, Linda. It's been a fascinating discussion. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thank you so much, JV. It's been my pleasure. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by JV Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.